0: When I was in school in Minnesota, I had very close friends. And when my father changed jobs, we decided to move out to New Jersey. And I remember sitting on the front step of our new house in New Jersey thinking, I can't wait to meet all these new friends. I can't wait to go have a good time with these kids, play sports with them. And that dream, so to say, kind of was shot down almost instantaneously when I started my first day of school out there. Really, it was probably the first week that it started to get bad because they found out because I'm new, I don't have any friends, I don't have any connections, I don't have anyone to lean back on. I was labeled certain terms that were awful, and they would always try to beat me up and try to shove me into lockers. I would literally put my feet down and stretch thinking that I would grow more because they would make fun of me so much for being small. I remember them being in in a circle like they would in movies with me in the center. They would take towels, get the tips wet, and they would whip me with them to the point where I'm bleeding, I'm bruised. I carried all of that on my back. I made that who I was, the pain and the anger and the self-destruction, defined me. The Lord has you to me. Well, one of the biggest things that helped me survive when I was out in New Jersey was my faith. One day when we were at youth group, I realized the true strength that the Lord has in me and I realized that I know it's gonna be tough for a while, but I know things are gonna turn around at some point. Senior year came around and I realized the only way I'm gonna get over this and the only way I'm gonna get this stuff off my back is if I reflect on what happened. I forgive those kids for what they did to me and move on. Obviously, those thoughts come in my head every once in a while. I know I'm not all these things that they called me. I have confidence now, I have self-esteem and I'm confident that I am who I am and that is through the power of Christ because I'm a completely different person than I was then.
1: I can get past those things that they did is if I forgive those people and I move on. Last week, we had a discussion in here about what it means to release bitterness from inside of us, to actually stop and forgive people. And as we were, as we were, sharing, or as we were having that discussion, as I was sharing that, and as I was stepping off the platform, knowing where I planned to go this week, I realized at that point, we're not going the place that I planned to go this week. And, as I began to hear back from people, it was just it was reemphasized that we're not going where I thought we were going to go this week because it was it was encouraging to me to hear the stories from you uh, as far as what that meant, what the discussion meant last week. You know, I got texts from people, I got phone calls from people, I talked to people out in the lobby, I got Facebook messages from people, not saying, hey pastor, good job, but saying, hey pastor, thank you for bringing that message. I needed to hear that. What I didn't hear from anybody last week was, man, I really hope that so and so heard that. Or man, I really hope they were listening. I heard from so many people, I needed to hear that. I need to let go of some of these things. I need to forgive people. I have done this throughout the, you know, when the week started. But what I also realized is that it's a lot easier to stand up here and to say, this is what you need to do, and, than it is to actually go out and do it. You know, if you remember, last week I stood up here and I, I quoted for you something that, um, oh, I'm blanking on it Lisa Turquist once said, when she said that forgiveness is not about my dedication, but forgiveness is about my cooperation with what God has already done. That forgiveness isn't just about me getting my mind past these things, but it's actually me stopping and recognizing what it is that God already did for me. And we read a passage from Scripture by a guy named Paul, who at one point had been one of those guys out there killing Christians, and instead had had an experience with Jesus, turned his entire life around this experience did. And so he wrote to this church in Ephesus In Ephesians chapter 4, in verses 31 and 32, if you want to write it down, if you want to turn to it real quick, if you're following along, he says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you." You know, we looked at that and we talked about just how difficult that can sometimes be, but also just how important that is. You know, many of us grew up and we memorized this prayer that Jesus told us to pray something like this. And in the middle of this prayer, he says, And Father, forgive us our sins, debts, trespasses, whatever word you use. Forgive us our sins as we forgive our, those who sin against us. And then when he got done with that, He continued on and he told the people who were listening to him that as you forgive people, you will be forgiven. And if you don't forgive people, you won't be forgiven. And so I stood up here and we talked about how important it is for us to move on from the things that have happened in our lives, to move on from the hurts, to forgive people for the things they've done, to forgive ourselves. You know, to recognize that, That we have guilt and that other people have guilt, but that we don't have to live in shame over that guilt. You know, there's a distinction between guilt and shame. To be guilty of something means that you did something wrong. It's acknowledging you did something wrong. When somebody is convicted of being guilty of a crime in the court system, then they are convicted of doing something wrong. Whether they admit it or not, the court has decided they did something wrong. But it is a whole different ballgame when we begin to label people who have wronged us or people who have wronged others as nothing more than someone who did something wrong. Nothing more than a label convict. And that's all they get for the rest of their lives is convict. Because we wouldn't want that for ourselves to say all we are is the sum of what we did wrong. We begin to put ourselves down a shame spiral when we move from I did something wrong to I am something wrong. I did something bad to I am something bad. And so last week, if you remember, we talked about how important it is to release that bitterness, release that anger, and to forgive others, and to forgive ourselves. And many of you responded in this, yes, that's exactly what I need to do. That's what I've been struggling with, or that's something I didn't even realize I was struggling with, but I have been. You know, I shared a story about some past hurts that I'd had in a church where people in the church, which are human beings, hurt me, and they hurt me deeply. And for some of you, that connected because you've been hurt by people in the church And for some of you, you heard stories of people who have been hurt by family members, and that connected because you've been hurt by people in your family or at work. And they might have been physical or they might have been emotional. They might have been spiritual hurts, but you've been hurt, and you realize, I need to to let this go. Jesus actually told me that, that I need to let this go, not seven times, but 70 times seven, which means stop keeping track, which means let it go, which means that every time that comes back up in my mind, I forgive them all over for it again. Because people, myself included, are not defined by the things that we did bad or the things that we did wrong, but we are defined by a Savior who went to a cross for us. And that's all good to hear on a Sunday morning. And I heard good feedback from you on Sunday afternoon, but the truth is, is that sometimes Sunday feels great, and Sunday we're like, yes, I need to do this, I'm going to do this, and then Monday comes along, and on Monday it doesn't feel so great, and I'm not quite so convinced that that preacher had any idea what he was talking about. You know, it's kind of, I don't know if you listen to, to stand-up comedy at all. I don't listen to much. A lot of it is just full of, you know, foul-mouthed language and all that kind of stuff. But I, I do enjoy one stand-up comedian uh, named Jim Gaffigan. He's, uh, if if you want something that's Mostly clean. I would encourage you to go look up Jim Gaffigan on Netflix or wherever you like to watch stuff, YouTube. But but he talks at one point about when you go into the gym for the first time. And if you have ever listened to Gaffigan, you know that he is not a fitness guy at all. Like most of his stuff is about eating and anti-fitness. But he talks about that feeling that you get when you go into the gym. For that first time back, you know, maybe it's your New Year's resolution, so you're one of those thousands or millions of people that go in and you get a gym membership that you pay hundreds of dollars for over the course of the year and you visit twice. But, but he talks about you go into the gym and you're like, ah, oh, this feels awesome. I'm going to do this every single day that Sunday. But then on Monday it comes along and you're like, oh, man. Oh, I am sore from yesterday. I mean, whoo i got to let the muscles breathe just a little bit. I, I can't go back in today. And then Tuesday comes along, and you're like, I'm fine with how I look. And you're done. The gym is over. You're not, you're not worried about fitness at all anymore, and you have moved on from that. And that's what can happen to us. So many times when we hear something on Sunday, we're like, that's exactly what I need to do. I know I need to do that. God spoke to me. The Holy Spirit was in that present or in that moment. His presence was so heavy in that moment. I know that this is where I need to go. And then Monday comes along and we're like, eh, but maybe, maybe breakfast just settled poorly on the way and that's what was really taught. Like It was really just gas and that's all that feeling was. You know, this is actually really hard This is actually really hard to let go of these things or maybe on Sunday you forgave somebody you forgave yourself you forgave somebody else but on Monday that feeling is back all over again that feeling of hatred that feeling of bitterness that feeling of hurt it's back all over again. you're like what in the world do I do I thought I moved on from this but it is flooded right back in And that's when I realized, even before I stepped off of this platform last week, this discussion isn't over yet because I knew that I've struggled with this, that I continue to struggle with this, that someone has hurt us or I've done something to hurt my own life and I forgive somebody or I forgive myself and then the next day all those feelings are back again. Or I make the determination that I'm going, I'm going to let this go. God, I need you to help me. We're going to do this together, you and me. I'm going to work in cooperation with you. But then the next day comes along, and, and I just don't feel like doing it anymore. And I didn't want to leave things there. Because I, I, you know, I'm not, you've probably figured this out by now, but I don't typically stand up and say, here's a bunch of action steps. Here's step one, step two, step three. And by the time you get to step three, everything's going to be perfect, and you're going to have it all figured out. But this is one of those things that Jesus made so clear was so big that I don't just want to move on from it and not have us stop and go, wait, that was last Sunday. This Sunday, I feel differently. What do we do when that happens? And the first thing that I would tell you to do, it's that churchy answer that we know is coming. If you've been in church very often, you know it's coming, but it doesn't make it any less true. We pray. We pray. We start off right out of the gate. We've been hurt, we pray. In the midst of being hurt, we pray. We look back on the things that happened years ago, we pray. And we don't pray a prayer like Jaron in the Long, Road, the Long Road to Love sang about years ago, where he, he sang a song that I love it. I use it almost every time I talk about praying for other people. He, uh, he says, I haven't been to church since I don't remember When? And things were going great till they fell apart again. So I listened to the preacher like last week as he told me what to do. He said, you can't go hating others who have done wrong to you. Well, sometimes we get angry, but we must not condemn. Let the good Lord do his job. And you just pray for them. And I can never remember the words to the chorus, so I printed them off real quick because it's a lot more fun to sing them than it is to tell them. I pray your brakes go out running down a hill. I pray a flower pot falls from a windowsill and knocks you in the head like I'd like to. I pray your birthday comes and nobody calls. I pray you're flying high. When your engine stalls, I pray all your dreams never come true. Just know wherever you are, I pray for you. And that's the prayer that we so often we don't want to admit it. I definitely started that way too high, and I realized halfway through that I should have started in a lower key. But we don't want to admit it, but that's, that is so often the prayer that is underneath the prayer that we're really praying. You know, our words are, God, help me to forgive. God, help me not to condemn. God, it's not my place to judge, but God, guess whose place it is to judge? It's yours. So judge this person to death. Like, God, give this person exactly what they have coming to them. And we start going through the list of, God, you know what would be a really great punishment for this person? Let me tell you. I know, God, you're in charge, but let me tell you what I think would be just for this. But what if instead we prayed a prayer similar to what Jesus prayed when he was on that cross, when he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. So many times, the people who hurt us, so many times when we do things that cause hurt, we don't know what we're really doing. And we can accept that when we look at ourselves, like I didn't know any better. But do we remind ourselves of that when other people do something? That so many times they don't know what they were doing. They didn't think it through, or it's one of those cases of hurt people hurt people. You know, we're all walking around with baggage and we're all walking around with pain and sometimes maybe we're not completely over it maybe we haven't adjusted you know and and so we take it out on somebody I don't know what the different situations are people do horrible things our job is to forgive them and to release the bitterness over what they've done as hard as it may be and we can't do that just on our own we pray so work in cooperation with someone who has already shown us how to do it. Someone who has already been betrayed in the worst way possible and still forgave people in the midst of it happening, still forgave people for what they were doing. So we pray not that they would get what's coming to them, but our prayer is that God bless them, God, show them who you are. Not show them your power in punishment. Show them who you are. You know, Jesus, at one point, told his followers, he said, you've heard it said to love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say to you to love your neighbor and pray for those who persecute you. He showed us how to do it. He did it. And now he's saying, now you do the same. Pray for those who persecute you. And as you're praying for them, you replace those thoughts of anger and bitterness that, that Paul talks about in the letter to the church in Ephesus. You pray, you know, as you're praying, you replace those with thoughts of kindness, you replace those with thoughts of compassion, you replace those with thoughts of forgiveness instead. You don't just pray, but you actively get involved and you replace. Jintesen Franklin, and I might be saying that wrong, it's not because I don't care how her name is pronounced, it's because I I just don't know how her name is pronounced, but uh, she said, forgiveness is not an emotion, it's a choice. It's a choice to forgive somebody, because emotionally, we don't want to do this. It's not easy, it's not fun, it's not the pleasant thing to do, short term, long term, we know it's better, but short term, it's not what we want to do. You know, here in a couple months, um, I have talked Nick Rush into doing a Spartan race with me. And so we're going to go on June 2nd, and we're going to do a half marathon race with 30 obstacles in the process. And when I say obstacles on this, they are, they're, the more we look into it, the more we're sitting here going, what in the world are we thinking but they're you know, climbing things, they're going under things, there's electrocution, there's fire that hopefully you jump over and not in. Like There's all these different things. And so as I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, I need to train for this thing. Because I could, I could probably go out right now, and I would be in a lot of pain when it was over, but I could probably go out right now and run a half marathon. I could probably go out and I could do a few obstacles, but to put all of those things together... I've got to train for this. What I don't want to do before I come into the office and what I don't want to do when I get out of the office is I don't want to train for a Spartan race. What I want to do is stay in my bed longer, and what I want to do when I get out of the office is I want to go home, and I want to sit on a couch. I would much rather, most of the time, play Madden on the Xbox, or play something with my kids, or tell Tegan to clean up the poop from her new dog. I would much rather do those things than to actually go and train for a race, but I know that on June 2nd, I'm going to really wish that I had trained for this race if I don't spend any time doing it. I know that long term, the best thing to do is to go out and train, even though right now it's the last thing that I want to do. And forgiveness is kind of like that. In the short term, the last thing that I want to do is to forgive somebody. What I want to do right now is I want to... I want to think of all the different ways that I wish that I could make this person suffer for what they've done. I I want to think all the unkind thoughts that I can think of. But I have to make a choice because the long term for my relationship with them, for my relationship with my father, for my relationship with his son, the best thing that I can do is to make the choice to replace those thoughts with thoughts of kindness, compassion, and forgiveness. You know, I make the choice to remember who I am, who God created me to be and who he says that, I, that he views me as. I make the choice to remember who the other person is and who God said that they are and who God sees them as, not as their mistakes, but as who he sees them as. I remember who went to a cross for me when I made all those mistakes and he did it all ahead of time. I choose to remember other things instead of just remembering the pain and the hurt. But that's all stuff in the mind. And it's so easy on Sunday, Monday, to take a big old step back. That's why I think that we have to get to the next stage, which is to actually do something. You know, as I read it, anyway, in Ephesians 4, when he tells them, you know, to get rid of all this bitterness and anger and harsh words and slander and and all that stuff. And he says, instead, he doesn't actually say, think kind thoughts or think compassionate thoughts. He says, show kindness and show compassion. And to me as I read that anyway and I'm pretty good with the English language. I'm not perfect with it, but I'm pretty good with it. When it says show, I read that as we got to do something. We've got to do something about it. You know, Jesus as he was no, as he was getting ready to be arrested as he knew what was about to happen. He got down on his hands and his knees and he put on an apron and he washed dirty, nasty, smelly, stinky feet. He did the job of a servant for all these men who were getting ready to betray him. He knew what was coming. He told Peter what Peter was going to do, and he still washed Peter's feet. He told them, one of you is going to betray me. One of you is going to be the reason that I'm going to be arrested. He didn't say those exact words, but that's what he was meaning with with the words that he was using. And he got down on his hands and his knees, and he washed the feet of that individual, of Judas. After he died, after he he was persecuted, after he was put on a cross, after he was spit on, after he was nailed to a piece of wood... He sat down and he served breakfast to these same men. On a seashore, he made them fish and they sat down and he ate and he looked Peter in the eye and he says, Peter, do you love me? And he asked him that three times and three different times he said, either feed or tend my sheep. And in those words, he was reminding Peter, Peter, I don't look at you as just what you did. I forgive you for what you did. What I see of you is someone who's going to lead my church. You talk about a powerful act of forgiveness. He served them breakfast as he was telling them that he forgave them. In another story, he's walking along with some men who were sitting there, and they're like, yeah, we thought this guy was all that, and in reality, he was nothing, and, and you know, he's dead now, and we don't know what we're going to do, and he knows they're talking about him, and he's sitting there going, and, you know, it's got to be running through his mind, like, no, no way, I really am who I said I was, like, come on, show some faith, literally, show some faith. So he walks with these guys, and then he sits down, and he breaks bread with them. He doesn't beat him over the head with the truth, sits down and he breaks bread he serves them now i was talking to someone earlier this week and they mentioned that that one of the ways they were told to get past their depression was to serve people because as you serve people you get the focus off of yourself you get the focus off of your own hurts and your own hardships and instead, you put it on showing kindness and showing compassion to somebody else. I had an an aunt. I still have this aunt, but I had an aunt that, as I was growing up, she would she loved to volunteer us for jobs. I would come home from you know for a break at, uh, in college, and I, it was like before I even said hi to my parents, there was a phone call, and it was, "Hey, can you come and do this for your grandpa?" And I'm like, "Man, can I?" I like settle down a little bit. And she was already volunteering me for work. Or I remember distinctly a time where all of us, you know, high school guys are sitting in a room and all the high school girls are in another room and she comes over and it's a, you know, it sure would be a good thing for all you big strong strapping boys. And I'm like, big strong strapping, look at me. But you know, for all you big, strong strapping boys to go over there and set up some tables and chairs for those ladies over there. And I'm sitting here and in my mind I'm going, man, if you would just like ask or if you would just let me do it, I my heart about this would be so much better. But as I would actually go to work and I would do these things, as I would serve, you know, that that moment when we did go over and we did set up tables and chairs because we weren't not going to at that point. Or as I would go and I would help my grandpa, I would find that while I walked in with an attitude of bitterness, the longer I worked and the longer I served, the more it just went away. Because it is really hard to pray a prayer of blessing over somebody and still hold bitterness in your heart. It is really hard to serve somebody and hold feelings of hatred for them in your heart. So many times our attitude follows our actions. Sometimes it's the opposite, that our actions follow our attitude. It's this beautiful circle that as we make the choice to forgive people and then we put our words into motion, As we take this beyond this feeling that we have and instead we do something about it and we make a choice, we find that so much of that hurt that we've been carrying around, so much of that bitterness that we've been carrying around that's been weighing us down, releases. And by praying for someone else and serving someone else, we don't do it for this reason, but we find that a really cool side effect is that my life gets better. Not necessarily easier, but my life gets better because I'm not allowing those things to pull me down and to send me into shame spirals, to send me into depression spirals, to send me into spirals of bitterness and anger and hatred that make it hard to sleep at night. But you'll actually sense, I believe from my experience, weight lifting off of your shoulders. As you forgive, you will be forgiven. And as you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. It's really easy to accept that on Sunday. It's not so easy to live it on Monday. So my challenge to you this morning before you leave As we sing another song, my challenge to you is to sit and think, God, what can I do this week? Not just, God, who do I need to forgive, but God, what can I do for that person? And then listen to what it is that he has to say to you.